0: In a world where 15 episodes in, the hosts realized they didn't really introduce anything about themselves other than that they were teachers and what their names were. One host, John Reed, decided to take it upon himself to interview each of the members of the 30-Something Movie Podcast and find out a little bit more about them. And frankly, he already knows them because they're his friends. But you don't. So now it's time for you to get to know The hosts of the 30-something movie podcast. Thank you once again for joining the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, Like I said in the intro, these are uh, some episodes we're going to do that are just a little bit different, little mini episodes. We're not covering a movie from the 80s. Um, I might talk about a few, but that's not the purpose for these. We realized that we we were so excited to get into the movies, and we wanted to get into them right away and start talking, that... We didn't really go around and introduce ourselves much more than here's our names and we're teachers. So we thought it'd be a good idea um, in between some of the episodes that we've got coming out to throw out some little episodes where we talk a little bit more about us as the hosts and um, just give you a chance to get to know us a little bit better. And as you're hearing us talk um, about the movies from 1984, 1985 and beyond, that you get a sense of why we like the movies we do. You know, why do I have the opinions that I have about certain types of movies? Um, you know, why does Jeff feel the way he does? Why does Dennis feel the way he does? And kind of what's our background. So that just gives you an idea, um, you know, as to why we tend to pick or tend to like the, the movies that we do. So, so I'm going to start us off. And over the course of the next few weeks, uh, hopefully we'll get the other guys in um, to kind of go around and just talk about some of the movies we like. So we're going to talk a little bit about us, um, you know, who we are, what we do. We're going to talk a little bit about our favorite kinds of movies, like the, the things that we tend to lean toward um, when we're talking about movies that we enjoy. Then we're going to go through our top five. Now, for us and anybody else who loves movies, this is always a tough, uh, tough task to take on. Is to list your top five movies because there's just so many out there. And do you do you know your your favorite top five that you would rewatch over and over and over again? Do you do your top five that are a little more obscure, that people might not have heard of or seen as much? Um, So I'll kind of preface mine when I get to that point. Uh, Mine are not necessarily my top five, but my top five beyond the obvious of things like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, stuff like that. And then finally, we're going to end it with a recommendation for an underrated or unknown movie, one that might not be quite so familiar to people, but one that we've seen before, we really enjoyed, and that we would recommend you picking up and watching. That movie won't necessarily be one from the 80s, it can be, but it could be one that's more modern, or it could be one that's even older than that. So, without further ado, here's a little bit about me. As you've heard me mention a few times on the show, um, I am married, and I have two kids. Um, My wife, Sharon, I mentioned her several times, and my two kids, John and Nora, and a lot of times I end up liking to uh, share my love of movies with them. So as much as possible, we try to watch some of these movies together. But my kids are still pretty young. So, you know, I've talked several times and you know, Dennis has young kids too and Pat does as well. And so we've talked several times about whether or not we would show some of these movies to our kids. And for some of them, we're not quite ready yet. Um, you know, my kids are eight and uh, about to turn five. So there are some of these that they're just not quite You know, not quite mature enough yet for, um, but we're starting to get there. I mean, there's some I've taken John to some of the um, Marvel movies. We just went to see Ant Man in the theater, and he loved that. Um, Then we've watched some of these. But for instance, like we're going to be talking soon about Return to Oz, and I know I saw that as a kid, but I just rewatching it. I just I'm not sure that my kids are ready for it yet. So. Um, And I don't know what's changed in the 30 years since that movie has come out. I really don't know what's changed because I watched it as a kid. I loved it. But now, as a parent, I'm just a little more hesitant to to show that to my kids just yet until they're a little bit older. Um, So a little bit more about me. I am a teacher. Uh, I used to be a classroom teacher, uh, taught middle school language arts, English language arts, and uh, always tried to throw a lot of movies and... um, kind of the movie making process into my classes because I always felt that that was pretty close to the reading and writing process as well. So I tried to incorporate that as much as possible uh, and have students examine uh, film uh, a lot of times as we're examining uh, stories and written text along with it because I always felt that those were pretty similar techniques and and similar skills that kids would need to have and an interesting mix-up as opposed to just... um, you know, reading the written word all the time. Uh, Now, I am a a teacher coach in our district, so I work primarily with the teachers. I still get to get in the classroom every now and then um, and do some model lessons, and it's kind of fun because now I'm in all the grade levels, so it's not the case now. I'm not a very tall person, and most of my students the last few years have been taller than me uh, when they're in eighth grade. So now it's kind of nice to get into some of the kindergarten, first, and second grade classrooms where I tower over everybody else. Um, and so that's that's been fun. But um, you know, a little bit of my background: I've moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, lived over in Europe for a while. Lived in England for about three years. Um, lived in the I was born in Texas. Lived in the South. Um, you know, lived in California for a summer, lived in Missouri. So I've been kind of all over the place um, and have a little bit of a different perspective on some things. You know, I get British humor. British humor is not for everybody, um, but I absolutely love it. And so a lot of times when you have, you know, some of the more dry British humor that may pop up in in some of the movies, some of the comedies that we'll take a look at, um, you know, that's that's in my wheelhouse because that's something that – I grew up with, uh, especially as we were overseas. Um, a little bit more about me. I originally was going back and forth when I was going into college. I was trying to decide whether I wanted to go into film or whether I wanted to go into teaching. Uh, ended up choosing teaching, but still love film and have always loved film. And this podcast just gives me an excuse to each week and each month get on and, and talk a little bit about why I love movies and, and why I enjoy watching and analyzing and You know, whenever I can with my kids or whoever will let me point a camera at them, um, you know, trying to create something in the form of a movie, whether it's just a short clip we're going to put up on YouTube or Facebook or or trying to do something a little more elaborate. So getting into my favorite kinds of movies. So when you hear me talk about movies here on the podcast a lot of time, my favorite kind of movies will be sci-fi action movies. Uh, I do like the historical movies as well. Um, I'm I'm kind of a time travel nut or alternate realities. Um any movie that has some kind of time travel involved in it and the the paradoxes that can go along with that, I'm always a big fan of that. Um so I'm a big fan of, you know, we've got coming up in some of our next episodes, we've got Back to the Future, Terminator. Um, you know, some of those are are some of my favorite movies. But anytime you can take the way it is and change it up slightly. Um, you know, I'm always a fan of of those type of movies. There were a couple of movies that came out um, within the last few years or so that my wife and I watched on Netflix, and and I thought they were pretty good. Uh, One was called Another Earth, um, and that was a movie, and I totally forget who's in it. I don't remember if there were any bigger name people um, that were in that movie, but it was one where uh, all of a sudden another Earth shows up in the sky. I think it came out in, I want to say it was 2011, uh, I do know it was it was a Fox Searchlight movie, so again it wasn't a you know it wasn't big name people, but um, you know I thought it was pretty well done. The idea was that there's this other Earth, and that potentially it's it's an exact copy of ours, where there is someone else just like you on this other Earth, and that at the point that this Earth appeared in our sky, we also appeared in their sky, and potentially you. The, the way it could work is at the moment that we saw this other Earth, that's where our timelines diverged. And the other you could have made a totally different decision from that point on in their life and, and lived a totally different life than what you ended up living. And one of the main characters, actually the main character in the movie, um, something happens at the point at which this Earth appears in the sky and it kind of messes up her life forever. Um, and so the rest of the movie is her dealing with that, but then also dealing with the idea that, well, what if what if her life had been totally different and there's another Earth nearby um, that she could have the potential to travel to? They're, they're offering, I think it was they were offering a contest to allow people to be the first to travel in between the Earths and see what life is like over there. And so the whole movie is dealing with the idea of um, having this alternate timeline and this alternate Earth. And so I, movies like that, I, I really enjoy. Um, there was another one, and I'm, I'm going to forget what it's called. I want to say it was called Upside Down or something like that, where there are uh, these two planets. I think it's kind of supposed to be Earth. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. I'll look it up real fast. Yeah, it was called Upside Down. Uh, Jim Sturgis and Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst, um, were in that movie. And you know, it, it's not going to win any awards, but um, you know, I thought it was a, a pretty decent movie. It's these kids that fall in love with each other, um, despite the fact that they live on uh, these two worlds that pull gravity in, in opposite directions. Um, so you know, the one living on the one world can never come down to the other person's world. Um but despite that fact they've fallen in love with each other. And there is a point at which the two worlds almost meet with each other and they're able to um you know they're able to spend some time with each other. And I think if I remember correctly, that there was a point in time where you could briefly, temporarily, uh pass between the earths. Um, but the idea was that one Earth or one of one planet i don 't know if they ever say it was earth uh one planet is a little bit more lower class and the other one 's a little bit more higher class um and so you you 've got a little bit of the Romeo and Juliet stuff going on um you know and and so the rest of the movie is um you know he the 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 man in the movie is trying to reconnect with this girl that he fell in love with when they were kids um and so it, it just kind of it goes from there. I just thought it was kind of an interesting concept. It's it's not anything other than the Romeo and Juliet part of it. It's not anything that had been done visually uh, in a movie up to this point. So I thought, or at least not one that I've seen. Um, and so I thought that was a, a pretty good one too. But again, just the idea that there are these you know alternate realities, alternate uh, timelines, things like that out there. I was always a big fan of Quantum Leap. Love that show. Um, And, and anytime Star Trek wanted to go do the time travel thing, you know, going back in time with the whales and in Star Trek four and all that, I was on board with that. So, um, so that just gives you a little bit of an idea of, of where I'm at with the types of movies that I like. Again, I said, I also like the historical movies, um, Braveheart, one of my favorite movies, Gladiator, um, you know, both my dad and I really love that movie. Um, you know, but a lot of the, the historical epics, Tombstone, uh, Unforgiven, some of the Western movies. Um, But those are, you know, those have always been favorites as well. And I've talked about some of the movies we've already covered here on the podcast as being some of my favorites anyway. Um, When it gets to my top five, I was having a little bit of trouble with this. My top five is going to be tough because I really, I really do like, um, you know, Star Wars has got to be my all time favorite. That was. When VHS first came out, I know my dad bought a copy of the very first Star Wars. I think it cost him ninety five dollars. I, I want to say that the the VCR was I don't even know how much money five six hundred dollars maybe, and um, the first movie that he ever bought was probably a, a ninety five hundred dollar copy of Star Wars, and so you know they had that copy, so it was a whole lot cheaper than than a, a babysitter or um, you know trying to get me occupied with something else, so I think a lot of times, um, Star Wars ended up being my babysitter, which is totally fine with me, and, you know, I think that's why at an early age that was one of my favorite movies, and why to this day I can pretty much quote and, and tell you every scene that's going to happen, um, before it happens, um, it's a Jedi trait, uh, so, um, But yeah, so that, I mean, obviously is at the top of my list as my all-time favorite movies. Um, You know, we can get into a whole thing at some point later in in another episode when we rank some of our favorites and all that. But I, you know, with the Star Wars movies, I I kind of lumped them all together. Um, I will jump in quickly and say that I did also enjoy the newer Star Wars movies. Not as much as the old ones, but uh, I did enjoy the new ones. And very quickly, because people do ask me from time to time, you know, I have a lot of my friends because they know I'm a big Star Wars fan and because Star Wars is such a classic movie and because there's a new one coming out in December, um, a lot of people as they have kids, um, you know, a lot of my friends have kids that are around about the same ages as mine or younger, and because they know I'm a big Star Wars fan, they tend to ask me this question a lot, you know, what, how should I show the kids the movies and I started well I I started the way I didn't want to. Um we started with the original Star Wars, uh when John was four, and I said, Okay, we're gonna watch four when he's four, we're gonna watch five when he's five, six when he's six, and then we'll jump back to the the other three. We'll see it in the same order I did. Um and that didn't really end up happening because we watched 4 when he was 4 and we I think we watched 5 when he was 5 but then um episode 1 The Phantom Menace was going to be released in 3D in the theaters and I thought okay this is perfect he we'll go see it in the theater it's a great time to go see it eventually they'll release all the other ones in the theater in 3D so we'll just we'll do this so very quickly we did we did the first Star Wars, then we did Empire Strikes Back, and then very quickly we watched Return of the Jedi. So it kind of killed my you know one every year timeline to space it out, and then once we saw Episode One in the theater, then obviously he was you know we were off to the races from there. So we ended up watching the others um, pretty quickly. We did wait a little bit for Revenge of the Sith just because it is PG thirteen and there are some scenes that if you've got younger kids. I I might wait just a little bit on that one. And there were some scenes that we skipped because we did end up watching that with my daughter, who at the time was four. So there were certain things that we didn't necessarily want to, you know, have her exposed to just yet. Um, You know, even though since then she and her brother play Star Wars all the time and they're constantly chopping each other's hands off and and doing all that. Um, But people do ask me, like, what order should I show them in? And there is an order that I really like. that I've heard on the uh in the internet in a couple of different places. Um and I'm forgetting the name of it. I think they call it the Machete Order or something like that. Um and the way the way that is handled is um where you end up watching Star Wars and then you watch Empire Strikes Back. And then after you watch Empire Strikes Back, you get the spoiler alert if you haven't seen any of Star Wars movies, so Pause your podcast now if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. At the end of Empire Strikes Back, when Darth Vader reveals that he is Luke's father, or you know, reveals that that's possible that he's his father, and I don't know if you haven't heard that at this point. I don't. I don't know what rock you've been living under, but when he reveals that at the end of the movie. The idea with this viewing order is you watch Star Wars, then you watch Empire Strikes Back, then once you get that revelation back in the day when people were watching these movies in the theater, they had to wait a full 3 years before finding out if this was true. So the idea is the prequels, you know 1 2 and 3, they there's no surprises there. When you see Anakin Skywalker by the time if you've already watched Return of the Jedi, you know what he's going to become. So the idea with this order is to watch Star Wars, then Empire, get that revelation that he could be Luke's father, then go back and watch episode one, episode two, and episode three, almost treating it as if it's a flashback in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Then once you've seen him go from little kid Anakin to teenage Anakin to you know older Anakin in his 20s, and ultimately become Darth Vader by the end of all that. Then you jump back and you watch Return of the Jedi. And I think that also fills in a little bit of a gap that some people have. Some people watching Star Wars now, there's there's a little bit of a disconnect between the Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader that's choking everybody, um, killing people left and right, pretty vicious, and he's the villain, to the conflicted Darth Vader that's in Return of the Jedi. Um, I never have a problem with that because I watched all these as a kid and I'm, I mean, I kind of knew what was going on, and um, I knew that Darth Vader was still a villain in Return of the Jedi, but he just didn't seem quite as villainous as he did in the first two movies. So I feel like if you watch it in this other order, if, the, if this is the first time you're watching Star Wars, that might not be a bad way to go about it. You know, if you're introducing Star Wars to your significant other or one of your kids, and you're just, you're kind of wondering what's the best order to do it in, that might not be a bad way to try it. I've had other friends that have tried it since then, and they really like doing it that way. So that's just a recommendation from your friendly neighborhood 30-something movie podcast. Other movies that would be in my top um, rankings would be the Indiana Jones movies. I'm not even going to parse these out to the individual films. Um, I do like all of them. I even like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, I'll go ahead and say that too. it's, It's all right. It's not the best. It's definitely at the bottom of of all the Indiana Jones movies, but I do like that one as well. Uh, Back to the Future, I did say before, I do do love the Back to the Future movies. Um, All of the Superman movies, even Superman 4. Superman 4 is a little rough sometimes, but uh, even Superman 4, I do like that one. Um, But my dad and I, you know, we would watch Superman 2 constantly I, I feel like we watch it at least once or twice a year or every time it came on tv um you know those were just kneel before zod or wrong again zod were just kind of common phrases in our house so um so that you know, that definitely ranks up there as, as one of the favorites the alien movies i love the alien movies as a kid um Around about middle school, I kind of got into the Alien movies uh, when I moved over to England. They were pretty big there at the time. There was an Alien comic book, and picked that up for the first time, started to read that. Really like that. There was at a, uh, a shopping mall in uh, Piccadilly Circus in London. They had a, a place called Alien War, and the idea was that you were... uh, You were going on a tour of a medical facility. I think it was a medical research facility in kind of the alien universe. And as you're going on this tour, you're being guided by a tour guide and a colonial marine. And you go through, and all of a sudden, the lights go out, things start flickering, and, and... someone in an alien suit is jumping out and grabbing people left and right. Um, And so you're like running and hiding and the Marines are shooting and things are exploding. And um, and that just solidified my love for those movies Um, and Predator as well. I like the Predator movies too. Um, The Batman movies, both old and new. I will, like you you can totally skip Batman Returns. I'm not a fan of that one. Um, But all the other ones actually got uh, Dennis and I, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast. We actually got to be in – uh, the movie The Dark Knight as extras, but I, our scenes did get cut because I think the lighting was not great. It was an outdoor scene, and uh, so we got to see Heath Ledger, and we got to see. Um, it was during the uh, funeral parade scene where um, the guards turn and shoot uh, and end up shooting um, Commissioner Gordon. So uh, we were in that scene that we were part of the crowd that was panicking in that scene when when. Uh, you know, chaos broke out, but uh, our stuff ended up getting cut um, from that because I think of the the lighting from being outside. So those are just some of my top movies, but if I had to list some top fives that were not included in those, um, once you get past all the obvious ones, these would be my other top five. Um, starting, and not in any particular order, and I had a really hard time coming up with this because there are so many other movies. You know, you ask me a different week, and it's probably going to be a different answer, but these were the top five that I listed out. The Count of Monte Cristo from 2002. Um, when I was in college, I saw this movie in the theater when my parents came to visit. Uh, my parents and my brother and sister came to visit for a weekend, and we went to go see this movie in the theater, and, I, you know, seeing it in the theater, I absolutely love this movie. And this is a movie, sometimes even more so than Star Wars, if if there's nothing going on and I just want to pop a movie in, if we're going to pop a movie in and just watch something, I, you can put this movie on as many times in a row as you want and I'll still watch it. You know, you could put it on one week and I'll watch it again the next week. You can put it on one day and I'll watch it again tomorrow. Um, I really like this *Count of Monte Cristo* movie. It's the 2002 version with uh, Guy Pearce and Jim Caviezel, and you know, I just the the set pieces, the cinematography, um, just the the colors, the music, the the acting, the, everything. I think is well done in this movie, and I don't think that that movie gets enough praise. Um, but I really really like *Count of Monte Cristo*. *Tombstone* from 1993. Um, I, I, this one's awesome. We just, I mean, it's so quotable. My wife who, you know, she doesn't even quote movies as much as the rest of, uh, some of my other friends and the other guys in this podcast were constantly quoting movies back and forth to each other. Um, you know, but we, we made it kind of, a starting in college, we made kind of a, uh, regular tradition that we would watch this movie on her birthday. Um, and in college we would get the tombstone pizza and so we'd have a tombstone pizza and we'd watch tombstone. And that's kind of, you know, sometimes we'll still do the tombstone pizza part, but um, sometimes we might get a pizza that's a, a little bit better quality. But uh, we still try to do this every year on her birthday, and it's it's one of our favorite movies. Um, you know, just I, I really can't get enough of the whole um, Val Kilmer character. Just I, I crack up every single time we watch this movie. Um, just love every single line that he says in this movie. Another one we've already talked about on the podcast is Amadeus. And people tend to be surprised when I say this, but um, I loved Amadeus as a kid. I, I mean, I know it's not a kid's movie, and it certainly probably shouldn't be a kid's movie, but I love this movie as a kid. And I think for the same reasons I love The Count of Monte Cristo. It's the music. It's the set pieces. It's the it's the choreography of everything. It's the cinematography. I think as a kid it was the colors. It was the colors, it was the design, it was the music. Because a lot of people will say about that movie that the music is like its own character, like the the music is the main character of that movie. Um, you know, and, and Amadeus and and Salieri are just um, supporting actors in that. But I just, I mean, that Amadeus movie is another one where even though it's a really long movie, I will sit and watch that just about any time you want. Um, but just really love that movie and and Salieri. I think of any other movie villain, if you want to call him a villain, any other movie antagonist, he's probably going to be my favorite. Um, I, I hold him up there with, uh, in literature, I uh, as, as villains or antagonists go, I put him up there with Iago in um, Othello and some of the other great books that I've read and great plays that I've read, but um, I just really like the Amadeus movie and, and think that that movie just, I don't know, however many stars you want to, score it I will always give it the maximum amount of stars um I know that some of the guys when we when we talked about that movie before they they were not big fans of how long the movie was but you know it's one that I've loved for years and so I will I'll sit and watch it no matter how long it is Fight Club from 1999 is another one of my favorites I remember when we first watched this movie it was with my friends in the dorms in college and I think we rented this back when Blockbuster was still around we rented this movie from Blockbuster and I remember we watched it three times in a row um, as soon as that movie was over, we rewound the tape and we watched it again and as soon as it ended the second time, we rewound the tape and we watched it again um, i remember I do remember that that it was the it was a movie one of the first times i've ever done that where you watch a movie one right after the other, um, but you just I don't know, the whole feel of the movie, it was different. There was just something different about it, and I loved the the twist of the characters and um, and just how crazy uh, Brad Pitt was in that movie. Um, it's just a funny, funny movie. And he ended up, the author, Chuck Palahniuk, actually ended up becoming one of my favorite authors, and, and I've read uh, most of his books since then. Um, and uh, actually had a chance, uh, we went on vacation earlier this summer, to um, California and Oregon and had a chance in Portland to go to Powell's City of Books. And uh, Chuck Polinick is from Portland, and so they had a whole section of Chuck Polinick books, and there were some people there that had never really read any of his books. And uh, I think I became the unofficial uh, Chuck Palahniuk, um tour guide at that point because as I'm looking at the books, people are talking to each other, and I, you know, I offered some suggestions like, oh, you've never read? Okay, well, this is a good one maybe to start with. Yeah, uh, what other do you like this type of story? Okay, maybe go with Survivor or Choke or one of his other books. So um, you know, based off of Fight Club, that kind of took me into, you know, his his style of writing and, and also introduced me to some others like him and, and ultimately some of my other favorite authors like uh Raymond Carmer and uh Amy Hempel and a few of the other more uh, minimalist short story writers um finally the last one on my top five list is it's a wonderful life from 1946 and i absolutely love this movie i this is another one i watch as many times as you want to put it on um i love the characters and i love the story of this movie and i was horrified when i heard last year a couple of years ago that they were going to try to do a sequel or a remake of it leave it alone do not touch it this movie is perfect you don't need to do anything else with it um I, just, I love the, I love the message of the movie, and I love how it was handled, how the characters are handled, um, just the whole thing. I think it's a great story, and even to find out that it was Frank Capra, Donna Reed, and, and uh, Jimmy Stewart's favorite movie of all time—like it was their favorite movie too—it shows. It shows how much they cared about this movie and this story. Um, and I just—it's it's one of my favorite movies. In fact, that's—it's shocked me that I do not own this movie on Blu-ray or DVD, and I I probably need to fix that as soon as possible. Otherwise, I own all these other movies, and I don't know why I don't own It's a Wonderful Life because it is one of my all-time favorites. And finally, getting to my movie that I would suggest as an underrated or unknown recommendation, um, I have four. I had trouble narrowing this down to just one, and you know, you ask me again in a couple of weeks, and I'll realize I forgot some. Um, But let me run through these real quick. Uh, it was a movie called Solaris with George Clooney. I really like that movie. Um, you know, it came out, I'm, I'm going to totally forget when it came out, but it was several years ago. Um, and th- there was a book by Stanislaw Lem and the book Solaris, um, um, it was a really good book. I really liked that book. It, it's a little bit different from the movie, but the same type of idea. It's it's kind of a sci-fi movie. It takes place on a kind of a space station that's orbiting this star and studying this star, and the star has very, some very strange properties that start to affect the characters in different ways. Um, I don't want to say any more than that. Um, Dark City. If you've ever seen Dark City, uh, this one is one that. I think I believe it predated the Matrix, came out before the Matrix. And in terms of the story itself, um, I think it's a better story than the Matrix. Especially the last couple of Matrix movies kind of diluted the original Matrix story and, and what made the original Matrix great. Um, but if you enjoy the Matrix and you want to have, um, you know, if you want to have that type of story and see it in a different way, that's not necessarily. Quite as much in an action movie, um, but more of a it has more of the feel of a noir movie, a mystery movie. Um, go check out Dark City. Uh, along the dark theme, Donnie Darko. And I know that's become a cult classic. Um, I remember when I saw it, it, barely anybody had heard of it yet. Um, but that's another one. It's got a little bit of an alternate timeline, alternate reality thing to it. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job in that movie. Um, he was just a kid at the time, but um, did a great job in that movie. And finally, uh, Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing that he did uh, in between Avengers and some of his other projects that he was doing. Just to take a break, he grabbed some friends and he made Much Ado About Nothing. And it's a great, uh, black and white, it's a great movie. Um, For my money, probably one of the best Shakespeare movies I've seen in a really long time. I just love the way that the acting is done. It doesn't feel like it's Shakespeare. You know, A lot of people don't like Shakespeare because they feel the language is... Old and archaic and stuffy and this is not that way at all i mean it's you really almost forget that it's using an older style of english as the characters interacting with each other and arguing with each other um so it's a great movie if you get a chance i don't remember if it's still on netflix or not but if you get a chance go check it out um uh, joss whedon's much ado about nothing so that's going to be it for me. Again, we're going to have some episodes that feature the other guys uh, on the podcast and so that you can get to know them a little bit better, and we will release these in between some of our others. Um, but for now, this has been John's mini-podcast uh, of some of his favorites, and so you get to know me a little bit better, and we'll get the other guys on here soon uh, in between some of our other, other episodes. Uh, within the next day or so, uh, look for our next episode to be coming out and the next one will be The Black Cauldron. Um, there's another underrated movie for you. I thought it was awesome, but you'll hear that when you get to the Black Cauldron episode. Um, much better than some of the other Disney movies, even though a lot of people think that it's possibly one of the worst Disney movies ever made. Um, just It's just amazing what they were able to do with the sound and the the visuals and and the story is not bad either it's it's got some it's got some pacing problems and and some other things going on but and the books are are better obviously but you know it's it's still a great movie but you'll hear more about that when that episode comes out so uh, that should be coming out with the next day or so if you don't already have that in your iTunes feed in the meantime Uh, We'd love for you to send us some of your feedback. We have not yet recorded the episodes coming up where we're going to be talking about Repo Man, Brazil, The Terminator, and Back to the Future. So if you'd like to send us some of your feedback, we do have a voicemail line, 872-35-MOVIE, 872-35-MOVIE. That's 872 356 6843 and you can leave us a message we love audio messages because hey podcasts are audio so if you'd leave us an audio message we will feature that on the show Um, we do also have a chance for you to contribute to the show if you like what you're hearing and you'd like to contribute it doesn't cost us a ton to put out this podcast but there is some cost involved So if you'd like to help out just a little bit, if you enjoy what you're hearing and you want to give back, uh, we have set up a crowdfunding page, which you can find by going to the30podcast.podbean.com and click on the Be My Patron link. Uh, You can also leave us some feedback on iTunes. If you check us out on iTunes, uh, the 30-something movie podcast on iTunes. and Leave us some feedback. If it's positive, awesome. Leave the feedback. If it's negative, mm, maybe go leave that negative feedback somewhere else. Um, but, uh, we would appreciate your feedback, appreciate, uh, that through the voicemail line on iTunes. And, uh, if you feel like you'd like to contribute to the show, um, to do it in that way as well. All right. Thanks a lot. And we will be seeing you next time on the 30 something movie podcast.